You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. It is an all-consuming fire. Whatever you have in your life, He is able to come in. He is able to consume that thing and replace it with an attribute of His character. He is an all-consuming fire. Nothing can withstand the fire of the Holy Spirit. When it falls on your life, there is nothing that can remain. Mighty God, let your fire fall afresh this morning. In Jesus' Name, on every person in this place. In Jesus' Name, in Jesus' Name. God is good, God is real, God is here, amen. Let's give God a round of applause this morning. Let's thank Him, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thanks, Tim. Does an awesome job every week. be a bit biased, but uh, you know, I think our creative team are pretty awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate. They're so diligent, preparing themselves to lead. It's one thing to sing a song. It's a whole nother thing to go into the presence of God and then to come out and lead people back into that place. I love those guys. They're amazing. Oh, thanks, Julie. And uh, I just, I love every volunteer that makes Sunday happen. Uh, Whether you uh, put your hand to something midweek, which sees fruit on a Sunday, or whether uh, you come in and you help someone find a parking spot, or you're the first smile that they see when they come through the gates, I tell you, I I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I know I speak for all the pastors and all the staff, and we say thank you for all that you do week in and week out. Can we give everyone a round of applause in this place? You guys are amazing. We don't, we don't do church. We are the church. Uh, when you put your hand to something, you are being the church. And I think that's awesome. Now, I know that um, often we pray for miracles uh, in church. Hopefully, you guys have been praying for a miracle this morning because I need to preach in 15 minutes. And uh, that is going to be a miracle, let me tell you. Um, but if you're ready, I'm going to preach out of 1 Kings this morning. And I'm going to do this scripture as much justice as I can in the short time I have, but um, I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it this morning. So if you've, got your, if you've got your Bible there, 1 Kings chapter 18, if you don't have your Bible, it's okay, we're going to, we're going to have it up on the screen, you can follow along, and uh, I'm going to start reading at verse 30. So 1 Kings 18 verse 30, it says, Then Elijah called to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. 
He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the Lord's altar. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. It's about 12 litres. He piled water on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. And then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering. And when they had finished, he said, sorry, I skipped a line. Uh, Do the same thing. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even overflowed the trench. At the customary time for the offering, the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the ditch. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and cried out, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive and it is active today, God. I thank you that it is going to go out today and it is not going to return void. I thank you that today it is going to do something in the hearts of every person in this place. Lord, I pray for every volunteer. I pray incredible blessing on them and their families. Father, I thank you for their sacrifice and what it does for this service. And Father, I pray for the knights because, God, you know they need help this season. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We stay strong in the face of defeat, right? Keep believing, don't give up. I don't know about you, but I love, I love a good like showdown, like a good one-on-one battle. I don't know whether it was something that, that started in me in primary school with like marbles or like Tarzos, uh, but, but I love, yeah, who remembers? Come on, who's below 30 still remembers Tarzos and who's over 30 and remembers marbles? Awesome, nailed both demographics of the congregation with that one. Um, but I love this. I think it's something that I love about sport, right? We get these epic showdowns, these battles, whether it's state of origin, New South Wales versus Queensland. Hopefully we still have some people here who remember when New South Wales won the state of origin. And whether it's the Olympics and you're pitting, you know, Usain Bolt against the rest of the world, um, or whether, whether it's just like the ashes or the Bledisloe, whatever it is, I love the idea of this, this showdown, this one-on-one, and I love it so much, I kind of encourage it in my class. Uh, I'll often, if I need a volunteer, I'll often make them do the scissors, paper, rock. Winner takes all. That's the idea of a showdown, right? The winner takes all. It's not they always want best of three. I'm like, no, it's one. Winner takes all. We come together, we do this once, and the winner wins. I'm not competitive. (laughs) But we pick up our story today in 1 Kings with this sort of a showdown. Elijah has called together... Uh, King Ahab, and he said, listen, we're going to settle something once and for all. We're going to have a showdown. We're going to go me versus 450 prophets, and and the outcome is going to demonstrate, it's going to prove, it's going to show who the one true God is, who is the real God, right? It wasn't that they had an issue believing there was a God. It was that they they thought it was this other God. They they had slipped in their belief as to the reality of the one true God. And Elijah's like, Lord, we're going to call this together. We're going to sort this out. 
heart. And we're going to do that with a showdown, winner-takes-all situation. Now, there's a whole level of complexity in that because the losers got killed. Um, if you read on in that scripture, it was not successful for the 450 prophets of Baal. But if we just start this morning uh, with building some context, I'm going to do this extremely quickly. But the context of this scripture is in the midst of a three-year drought. Okay, the place that, Abraham, uh, place that Elijah calls Ahab to have this showdown is in the arid desert of the Middle East, right? It's, it's just near the Mediterranean, and so the landscape is dust, and there may have been some vegetation at time, but we're three years into a drought, there's no vegetation left, and, and the reality is that in verse 20, when this is first initiated, Ahab has to go and send people to gather all the people of Israel. So we're talking that, that you know, people have come maybe two, three days walk across the desert in drought to this mountain and we arrive at this showdown. And we pick up in verse 33 where, where within this context, Elijah says, pick up some jars, pass it around and fill them with water. You've got to ask questions when you read the Bible, right? Middle of the drought arid desert, they're at least three hours walk from the Mediterranean. I checked on Google Maps. And that's if you take the fastest route, right? It could be longer, but three hours from salt water. Where, where does the water come from? If Elijah's filling jars with water, where is the water from? Now, there may have been a spring, but we know if we read Scripture that by this point in time, Ahab's sending people far and wide to try to find springs of water to keep some of his horses alive. So we know that if this was a significant place geographically, surely they would be there if the spring was still there. But, by, but because by reading around the Scripture, we realise that there's really only one answer. The water that was used to fill the jars came from the people's own supply. The water that the people had brought with them. They knew they got a two-day, three-day walk to get to Mount Carmel. They're walking through the desert. Now, I've planned hikes. I take year nine out into the Blue Mountains for an overnight hike, and I know that your major concern, your first priority, your number one thing you do not get wrong when you're planning a hike is how much water you take for the people. So I can imagine that if they're going on a two, three-day walk, they're prioritising, well, I'm going to go, and they're not just thinking, I'm going to go and stay. They're thinking, I've got to pack enough water to go, and I've got to have water to get back again, right? No one likes that person who drinks all their water on the first day, and then they're like, oh, hey, guys, uh, have you got some water? I was like, what do you mean you don't have water? I, I packed water for, for my trip, right? I only packed enough for me. You didn't pack the extra two litres that I told you to pack, and you're, you're on my water? But that's what Elijah's doing. He's, he's got this empty jar and he's starting to pass it around. And he's like, hey, guys, I'll just fill your water. Just pour it in here. Just that water that you took, that number one most, most precious commodity that you have right now in the midst of a drought, standing in a desert three days from home, this precious commodity. Can you just pour it out into this jar? Can you just do that for me? I don't know if you put yourself in the story, but I often watch movies and I love the movies in particular that create this, this climax point. It's often in space movies. And, and they reach this point where they know if they're going to fulfill their mission and save the world, they're not getting home again. Right? There's this distinct point in the movie where, where so much is happening that's causing them to, to go in a particular direction that they're at a point where they've got a decision to make. Either, either we, we can save the world yeah, by blowing up the asteroid or something. We can do that, but we can't do that and make it home safely again. 
And, you know, the heroes are always the one where it's like, you know, Skype chat from outer space because that would work. Um, and say goodbye, and then I'm going to go and save the world. And we all love the hero. And if you're like me, you're crying as the dad's saying goodbye to his kids. And no one else cries in movies. That's right. All good. But I like to put myself into the story of Scripture. I like to read it and not just, not just go over it. Like if you just read verse 20 where it says, Ahab gathered the nation of Israel, that's like seven words. But those seven words in real time would have taken like a week and we wash over that so quickly. You've got to put yourself in the story. And I put myself in this story. And I'm like, if I, was some, if I was in the nation of Israel, I'm standing in this crowd, maybe one million, two million. We're like coming down the, the edges of the mountain. There's so many people. And if I'm, if I'm in that story, you know, I'm at the front because those that get there first get to be at the front. Okay, like if you get the church first, you get to be at the front, right? Um, where, where all the action happens. You're closest to Elijah. You get to see what's going on. Uh, and the prophets of Baal, all, you know, chanting and trying to get God to send down fire on their, their offering because that, that would have demonstrated that their God was the real God. But I'm standing there and I'm watching Elijah pick up this jar and pass it around and I'm thinking, he doesn't just get one jar, he gets four. <laughs> four jars. Elijah, it's a drought. What are you doing? Does he really want my most precious commodity right now? Like, is, is that, he's really asking for water? I've only got so much water. Today, our most precious commodity is our time, our energy, our resources. We live in such a time-poor world. I'm, 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 I'm too tired, I'm stressed. I don't know if I have enough time to do that. I don't know if I've got enough time to be to get involved. I, I don't know if I have enough time. I've got too much on. I wonder who didn't give the water. I wonder who held back because they needed the details. I wonder who was trying to ask Elijah a question as he was asking for water. I, well, I, Elijah, I, I might be willing to give my water, but I want to know what you're going to use it for first. What do you want with my time, my energy, my resources? I need to know the outcome before I get involved. Who was the first? Just imagine everyone looking at each other. Who's the first one that takes the water skin? Because they didn't have camelbacks back then. Who takes the water skin off the shoulder and just a little bit, just a measured amount of their resource. Just oh, not too much because I need to get back home again. Who, who was that? How many people did it go past before someone got their water skin out and poured it into the jar? Who followed once the first person stepped out? Would I have given my water? Elijah, I got a, I got a family. I got a son. I got a, I got a little daughter. I, they might get thirsty on the way home. I got a three-day walk through the desert. We're in a drought, Elijah. There's no, there is no water between here and my house. There is nothing that's going to fill me again between here and when I get home. Elijah, I don't know if I have enough water to spare. Eventually, four jars are filled. And I'm sure at this point, Elijah does something no one expects. All these people just given of their most precious commodity and Elijah goes, ah, I pull that out. 
And I pull that on the ground, don't I? <laughs> I can imagine the people's faces, shock and awe, immediately, gobsmacked, immediately, like, did he just do that? Did I, did I see that? My water on the ground. That water's not coming back up off the ground. That water is gone. That water is in the sand. I wonder if anyone had the attitude, well, it's Elijah. He's a he's man of God, so if he says it, I'm in. Because then he asks again. Now it's more difficult, right? Because now everyone's seen what happens. Now, now everyone's seen what happens when I put my water in the jar is it gets poured out. I wonder who gave the second time because they filled up the jars a second time or four, a second time. I wonder who was still giving a second time after they knew the outcome. Poured it out again. I can imagine if I was there at that point in time, I'm going, I'm out. Like I'm leaving. I don't want to know the outcome anymore of this showdown. I'm like, Elijah, if you're just wasting water, I'm done. I'm going to take my water or what I have left if I gave the first time a little less than what I thought I'd have for the trip home and I am out of here. But then he does it a third time. I wonder who is still giving the third time after the first two had been poured out. You see, I imagine that those first two times that Elijah poured it out, the Israelites are thinking, why is he wasting my water? But it was never wastage, it was preparation. God never wastes anything we give to Him. He always uses it for preparation. You see, what they didn't realise was that Elijah was setting up the sacrifice for a miracle. They didn't realise that what he was doing was wetting the offering so that he could demonstrate that it wasn't just normal fire that was going to fall from heaven, but that it was an all-consuming fire that was going to fall from heaven. If you take away the water, then you could argue that perhaps the fire that fell from heaven was normal fire. But as soon as you pour out 12 litres of water to the point that it is overflowing out of the ditch, you cannot stand there afterwards and say that was normal fire. You have to come to the conclusion that that is an all-consuming fire. Because we, it's told, we're told in Scripture it burned up the sand, the rocks, and the water. The three things that could have put fire out. It consumes them all. There was no mistaking who God was at the end of this showdown. There was no mistaking that He was the all-consuming fire. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we're about to enter the third year of our vision And perhaps the last two years, we've been in preparation. You see, preparation comes before provision. I don't know if you know that. I'm not going to get onto it. We're going to get to that on the 18th. But just remember, preparation comes before provision. I wonder who's still willing three years in. I don't care who was still willing then. I care who's still willing now. Every person that stood up here this morning, that's who's still willing. Every person that you saw walk across this platform this morning, three years in, they're still willing. They're still the ones who are in when the man of God says, this is what we're doing. Elijah wasn't the only man who's ever said that phrase, fill the jars with water. Jesus said that phrase, the exact same phrase. John 2, verse 7, wedding at Cana. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to a celebration. It was a wedding His mother's trying to get him to do a miracle. He says, it's not my time. Then she just pushes him into it. 
do whatever he tells you. Isn't that a great piece of scripture to make about your life? He takes six stones, six stone jars. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. Same instruction. Same reason. Preparation for a miracle. Now I wonder if in both these cases, the people feeling the jars, whether they were with Elijah or with Jesus, I wonder if they realised that in that question, will you fill the jar, was, was an opportunity to be a part of a miracle. I wonder if they realised that was what was on the table. See, both servants and every person that emptied their water into one of Elijah's jars got to be a part of something miraculous. Every person represented up here today who gives of their time, who volunteers, may not realise it, but they are a part of a miracle. The miracle was never about the people that filled the jars. It wasn't for them. They got to be a part of it. They got to experience it. They got to feel it. They got to see it. But it wasn't for them. Just like if I can say church isn't for those who already know Jesus. We get to experience it. We get to be a part of it. We get to feel it. We get to enjoy it. But the miracle was about revealing who God really is. In Elijah's story, the miracle was so that all the nation would know that God is real. And in the parable of Jesus, sorry, in in the miracle of Jesus, we see the wine that represents the new covenant, what Jesus did for us. And that wine, that wine was not for the servants, that wine was for the guests the guests that represent humanity. What every volunteer today, all 224 across both our campuses get to be a part of, what you get to give your time and your energy and resource into, what you get to give your most valuable commodity to. If you're one of those people who are are still willing to give their water, what you are giving it into is to create an opportunity for a miracle. It's to be a part of the vehicle that delivers the gospel and the prospect of salvation to the world. It's the church. Remember, the church is not this. The church is us. When we partner together, we are the story of the gospel. And when we bring our time and our energy and our resource and we serve and we create this environment, what we're doing is we are putting ourselves a part of the miracle. A part of the thing that has the opportunity to reveal to all mankind who God really is. I bet the guests at the wedding, if they had known, would have thanked the servants for filling the jars having tasted that wine, if they knew where it had come from, I bet they would have thanked those servants. And I bet the nation of Israel was thankful of the revelation of who God was that they walked away with. Not just normal fire, 
but the revelation that God is the all-consuming fire. That no matter if you have rocks in your soul or, or if you feel like you are drowning and life is overflowing out of your ditch, you have a revelation because of the people that fill the jars that God is an all-consuming fire and just maybe He can burn up those rocks and just maybe He can wipe away the dust and the dirt out of those hidden places in your heart and maybe, just maybe, He can lick up the water so you don't feel like you're drowning anymore and He can set your soul on fire so that when you walk out of this place, come on, when you walk out of this place, you have something in you that sets you apart and makes people look and go, I want what they have. I bet today, you've experienced the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you might be thankful. Maybe you experienced it in this church or maybe you experienced it in another church. I know this, this event, this gathering doesn't happen without people being willing to fill the jar. So I bet you'd be thankful this morning for every person that walked across here that gave of their most precious commodity to be a part of creating an opportunity for the miracle that you experienced the day that you realised God was real and that He died on a cross because He loves you. Can we thank our volunteers again? Come on, I'm thankful. I found Christ in church. I'm thankful for every person that gave of their water. So let me talk as I close about this miracle of salvation. Let me give you an opportunity if you never have maybe heard that God is real. Let me tell you that God is real, that this morning, the atmosphere you experience in this place, it's not put on, it's not generated, it's, it's God and He's real. And He has a son, His son's name is Jesus. And He said to His son, I love humanity so much, but because of what they do, I cannot have relationship with them because they do things that are against my perfection. So He said, hey, son, would you go down? Would you live as one of them? And would you die the death that their sin says they should die? Would you live the life they're supposed to live? And would you take the death that they're supposed to take? And would you do it so that if they believe in you, then they can come in a relationship with me? That very simply, guys, is the gospel. That's the miracle, that you can't have relationship with God, that He's real, He loves you. And there's an opportunity here right now this morning for you to begin that relationship, for you to receive and believe what Jesus did. That number one, He is real. Then number two, He died on a cross to wipe away and to take the punishment for every single thing that you have done wrong ever in the eyes of God. It can be cleaned this morning, slate wiped clean. And you can know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.